0: Today on What's Up with Ward, you're here interview with Dr. Amy Bates Ward. She is a Vice Chancellor of Student Success for Ivy Tech Community College in Muncie, Indiana. She's going to tell her story of how she was diagnosed with Lyme disease, the effects it had on her body, and how it affected her family, and of course, how she had to convince the hospital she actually had this disease. She talks about that and much more right here on What's Up with Ward. You're listening to another episode of What's Up with Ward. This is a podcast about love, life, and relationships. We strongly believe that everyone has a story to tell, and we just want to know what's yours. As always, the man with the plan to my left is none other than Trey. What's up, my brother? Trey all day. What's going on, Mr. Wardy Ward? Hey, another day, another 13 cent, man. Yes, sir. We got a special guest in the studio today. I think you're really going to like this person. Uh, Wonderful. All right. Her name is Dr. Amy Ward, well, we'll make sure I get that right. She's a, she's a lifelong resident of Central Indiana. She earned her degrees from Ivy Tech College, Indiana Wesleyan, and Ball State University. She's currently serving as a vice chancellor of student success at Ivy Tech Community College in Muncie, Henry County, married to Ted, has three adult children. She was diagnosed with Lyme disease in 2013 after struggling with symptoms for nearly nine years. She's here to steer, share her story with us today. So without further ado, Dr. Ward, thank you for being on our show. How are you doing? I'm
1: great. Thank you for having me. Can you hear me okay?
0: Yes, we can. Okay. Yep. Good. So tell us, how do you say the the, the middle name? It's, it, it's Baze. Baze. Got it. Okay. Want to make sure.
1: No, okay. you're fine.
0: All right. So let's go ahead and get started because there's so many questions we want to talk to you about and- we don't we're going to get started on this so tell us uh can you tell us a little bit about about who you are first
1: well sure i um i don't know what to tell you exactly i'm a <laughs> loving mother <laughs> just to be real honest um, yes. i'm just a i'm a mom that um has worked hard all my life and uh Love, love what I do. Love my life, and and love sharing with others to make sure that um, if they're struggling, we can figure out how to break barriers for them. Which is one of the reasons why I chose my career path that I have. So, um, hoping that something today will resonate with somebody and just maybe help them through their journey as well.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> wonderful. Okay, so looks uh, before we get into it, you have. You kept three children. Did I get all that right? Three kids. I
1: do. I have three adult children and one grandbaby. So.
0: Okay, so you got them all out the house. So that. I good. do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah.
0: And you're and you're still the vice chancellor over there at uh, Ivy Tech.
1: I am. Yes. Uh-huh.
0: So so you had a lot of education, a lot of schooling. Looks like.
1: I have had yes. All through all through my medical journey, I've also been educating myself in uh, how to best assist students to get to uh, their educational path and journey that they want to to uh, end up with. So yeah.
0: So what does that chancellor actually do? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how this works.
1: So, well, my, my position is vice chancellor of student success. And so I basically um, oversee academic advising, student life, um, student wraparound services through uh, what we call our Ivy Cares program. Um, my my goal is to always uh, meet with the student as soon as they walk in the door and once they get registered. And then we just love on them and and circle them with any kind of support they need until they graduate and beyond. So um, I'm pretty much uh, part of that, the process that gets them from point A to point Z and beyond.
0: So it seems like you have a vast, uh, so many different things you did because you started out with the Associates in Computer Program. (laughs) Right. And you ended up, ended up here. So how did you make that transition? What, what, what made you switch?
1: Well, I, I always tell everybody that, you know, I, I really wanted to be in the computer field, um, because there were not a lot of women in the computer field at the time, that as I was working in that in that field, I didn't like the fact that computers don't talk back to you. Mm, um, right. And so, and so now I have a lot of people that talk back to me, a lot of students and such. And sometimes you have to be careful what you wish for, but it was definitely worth <laughs> definitely worth the change.
0: <laughs> okay, okay.
2: <laughs> so, so Doctor Doctor Bayes Ward, do you find that you have to do some? technical reprogramming of students as they transition from high school into now Now you're into that next stage of, of your education uh, in college and recognizing that, hey, you just can't copy and paste from social media and Google sources and you have to have uh, you know, academic excellence as you go through your process. Do you find you have to have that conversation with students as you wrap your arms around them as well?
1: Yes, we have... Uh, we have- experienced that quite a bit. We have students Mm -hmm. that are fully uh, ready and able to come in and and work through their process and Mm -hmm. and they don't really need our assistance. But then those that really need the transitional piece we have some good programs in place to help them and
0: uh, Mm -hmm. a
1: lot of times they don't have to see me until there's something seriously wrong but we're trying to change that that culture where they see me from the beginning so that when they have to have some kind of a learning teachable moment that it's not as scary for them um because you know, unfortunately that, that does happen, but uh, we, have a, we have a great group of students and basically our student population is um, transitional students. Definitely the 18 to 24 is what our population is. That's not usually the case for community college. Usually it's it's the old population, um, but our population is basically the 18 to 24 for Muncie Henry County. And um, you know, we have a lot of really solid programs for them to transition through and and they seem to do very well. They like our our atmosphere and our culture. So that's good. Do you you find
0: that a lot of uh, people are actually going back to school now since COVID hit or, or, or have the numbers actually decreased at all?
1: Our numbers are actually going up. We are, Mm. um, we've not really experienced much of a, of a wall in um, our population, which is unusual for, I believe the national average, um, but our population is actually doing very well. Okay.
2: Do you find that you're having individuals uh, going more into your certificate programs to be certified as professionals in in a particular field, or do you find individuals are leaning more towards the degree or is it kind of like a, an even mix between the two?
1: We have more associate degree students Mm -hmm. than we do um, certificate. Now our technical certificates that are right in the middle of all of that process, Mm -hmm. they, they, um, we, we have stackable degrees. So when we start a program, uh, a student in a program of an associate's degree, we're looking at them to also um, earn their certificate and their technical certificate. We stack their program so that they can earn that as they go.
2: Nice. OK.
1: Mm-hmm. All right.
0: OK. Well, I want to know more about. um The uh, diagnosis that you had. (laughs) I really, was going to, but I was so fascinated by the Ivy Tech that we just kind of got got off. No worries. (laughs) Yeah, we we, we can circle back to that too. But let's let's talk about that a little bit uh, about the Lyme disease. Like, how how did you know you had it, and and how did you know to check for that?
1: So, well, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of tell you my story a little bit, and it's going to take you back a minute. Um, So back in 2004 is when I started having weird symptoms that I couldn't explain, but I'm not a person that seeks medical attention very quickly. Um, I have to really be sick or really, (laughs) really be on my knees uh, before I reach out. So from 2004 to about 2008, I was a single mom at that point of two of the three children. And. Um, working a full-time job at the at the local university and then also working a part-time job as a praise band choir director for the church that we attended and so i traveled frequently with my um full-time job anyway long story short is that in 2008 um the symptoms from 2004 to 2008 just continued to um Increase. I was to the point where I was having trouble walking. My joints were really, really sore and hurting all the time. I was not able to put sentences together. I was having what I would call um, brain blackout, where I would. You know how sometimes you close your eyes and you can see a word pop into your head i was yeah. having none of that i couldn't oh. i couldn't um i was forgetting things um and being a single mom that's never a good thing um in 2008 as i was actually working through um our christmas cantata with our our choir um i got to the point where i couldn't breathe and oh. wasn't mm. sure what was on. Um, like I would be talking and then all of a sudden my air would just dissipate. There was absolutely nothing there. And so I um, started seeking some medical um, help. So from 2008 until 2012, um, I saw uh, upwards of 27 different medical professionals mm. who throughout that process all told me in some way, shape or form that there was absolutely nothing wrong with me and that I was just having these, um, these medical conditions because I was so stressed, and I was uh, maybe burning my candle at both ends, basically. Mm-hmm. And part of me would believe that um, very seriously because you know I knew I was <laughs> yeah, with two, two two children to raise and trying to make sure we were ha- you know having all the food on the table that we needed. Sometimes that was stressful, but. Um, yeah. So in 2012, by the time I went to see the last person who I walked into their office and they came into my office, reading my file, had never met me before and basically said to me, I have no idea why you're here. I am not going to give you an exam. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. It is all in my head. Oh. I, I looked at my husband and I at that point I had gotten uh, married at that point okay. um, in 2010. And. Um, uh, I looked at my husband and I said, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. I, I take me home now. And so from that point until, um, April of 2014, I sought no medical, uh, assistance cause I was so angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, um, the, uh, sorry, just lost the word symptoms. Sorry. <laughs> sorry it's, it's it happened. Um, Kept getting worse as we went through um, to the point where in April of 2014, I got up one morning getting ready to go on a a journey into Tennessee with my doc program um, and couldn't walk. Uh, absolutely had no movement from my waist down. Couldn't put any pressure on my feet whatsoever. My legs would not work. And knowing at that point, something was seriously wrong. And the whole time that I did not seek medical attention, my husband continued to research. He was making a log of everything he was seeing. I could get in the car. Um, he would pick me up from work and I could get in the car. And before we left my parking lot, I would be sound asleep. Um, And so I wasn't driving much because he was worried that, you know, I wasn't, Mm -hmm. uh, wouldn't stay awake, lots of different things. But anyway, through that process, he continued to journal every single symptom he was experiencing for me, basically through me. And when uh, I got up on that morning of 2014 and I couldn't walk He took me to the doctor and basically told the doctor that, you know, I know that you all think there's nothing wrong with her, but here's, here's the journal of a year of everything that has been going on. This is not her. And, um, you need to give her a Lyme test. The Western blot is what he asked for at that point. And I expect her to have that before we leave here. Um, and that's just the way it's going to be. And so they did give me that test. And the test did come back, um, not only positive, but what they call CDC positive. I was off the charts with all of my um, diagnosis of that of that particular disease, but also in all of the um, other uh, blood work tests that they took, it showed that I had 13 co-infections on top of it that was oh, actually wow. causing- 13? 13 co-infections and that was actually causing the majority of the symptoms Lyme doesn't actually cause the symptoms it's the co-infections from the Bartonella and the Babesia that actually created um the problems and so um so then the search started for a doctor that would actually treat Lyme as um a chronic illness, not an acute disease, um, because most most physicians are not taught about, uh, about Lyme in medical school. And so it is stated as an acute disease that you can take 28 days worth of doxycycline and be all better. And that was not going to be the case for me because doxycycline, while I did take the 28 days, did nothing for the co-infections that were mm. going on in my body. Um, and so I was fortunate finally to find somebody in Indianapolis that um, would at least talk to me about Lyme and had some um, understanding. And so we did a lot of uh, holistic medications, holistic um, herbs and things of that sort for about two years, I think, two or three years. And then um, I got in, I got involved with Indiana Lyme Connect, um, which is an organization that helps patients or people that have Lyme disease. And And getting involved with them i i met a wonderful uh, doctor in zionsville that um, had real life experience with her own family of lyme disease and she has just been wonderful to work with and so i'm uh, better today i won't say that i'm uh, cured i don't know that there's actually a cure for this but i am um, more functional (laughs) today than i was way back then um yeah so that's kind of the long and short of my story okay now
0: let wow. me ask about that doctor what do you call it doctor
1: doxycycline
0: yeah now that's like an antibiotic if I'm correct right it is
1: yep it's a it's a very very potent antibiotic um I laughed and always jokingly told everybody I would have felt better dead when I took it because it was wow. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty potent it, it knocks you for a loop But if you catch Lyme, if you catch the, so I had no outward signs that I had been bitten other than I knew that I had gotten on a plane to come home and I had a spot on my back when I got home that my husband was able uh, to get the the tick out at that point. Um, So we knew that I had been bitten at that point, but I had no rash or bullseye or anything like that to indicate that I had a problem. Um, Wow. Yeah. So
0: go go, go ahead, Trey. right so
2: i was just thinking so so dr Mace Ward, i'm 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 kind of jotting out these notes on this timeline so over basically over 10 years uh, you had to be you're, you're the champion of your own health and when you got married then things all the documentation on your own because everyone else who's uh, a medical professional up to that point was saying, no, this is all in your head. This is not this. You know, you need to you know think about exactly what's going on, get to the root cause of the issue. And here <laughs> you are documenting all these symptoms that are happening layer upon layer upon layer. And it, how, did, how did it make you feel? You know, knowing that your are experiencing this, this is not in your head. And <laughs> these medical professionals are sharing, you know, this isn't your head. And it's the, the symptoms are, are, are actually not real. How did that make you feel?
1: I was extremely angry and I'm, I'm, uh, I was already having, just to be honest, some anger issues anyway, with my divorce and trying to, you know, live life as a single mom. So I was already mm-hmm. struggling through that anyway. Um, but I was extremely angry and I got frustrated and to the point where I, I was very untrusting mm. of anybody that had a medical, uh, a degree anywhere, um, uh, that's associated with them. Um. But then, you know, the other, the flip side to that is, um, I have a really, really strong faith base. And Mm -hmm. so my, my outward, my outward signs were anger and frustration. My inward signs, my heart attitude was just pray yourself through it. You know, God's got you. You have this for a reason. And at some point you're going to be able to share your story and help even if it's just one person, you're going to be able to, to pass that torch along. And at some point, whether it's through your story or somebody else's story, um, because of, of, of the platform that you've given them, um, things are going to change. So Mm -hmm. I, that, that was my heart attitude. Now my head and my heart didn't always, you know, didn't always work together very well. Yeah. So. Okay. My question
0: is, um, your spouse he seems uh obviously very loving and smart mm-hmm. and supportive what, what what is his background what does he do because i'm really impressed he was able to take all these notes and be so detailed I mean, most <laughs> people don't do that
1: right well my husband actually uh, he works for the university in muncie um and he is um kind of my counterpart he's over there online uh, education uh, student experience um for that for that for that university and okay. he is very much a um observer and he is analytical in his thought process and very um uh, strategic if something's going on he is um very strategic in how he tries to solve the problems and Mm -hmm. so knowing that i was not able to advocate for myself at that point he just took that up on himself and part of that is just who he is because that's just the type of person that he is but it's also his training in his own field of uh, student success and barrier breaking and that sort of thing of his strategy thought process was you know we have to be able to state this is happening and here's when it's happening and why for anybody to actually listen. And so, you know, that's just who he is, but, Mm Yeah, so right. as I'm as, very as, fortunate. As, your,
2: as your husband was actually logging all the information and, and it almost seemed like he was like a like a private investigator or I felt like I was I was watching an episode <laughs> of house <Yes. laughs> as as you, how, well, his, how thick was that book I mean and <laughs> the times and the symptoms and it, what did exactly, you eat
1: yeah it, it's right. actually two binders big wow. <laughs> two, and, and uh just so just so you know he he was a probation officer in his in his former life so okay so yeah there's investigation right there (laughs) he has that criminal background to be able to help check
0: okay Okay. wow (laughs) what did did the hospital say once you guys had all this documentation and presented that because i feel many times that you know people have the internet now you come to your physician's office and, and they probably say you're not a doctor you have the internet i'm a doctor so how did they respond to this detailed information
1: being presented they were not sure what to do with it, to be honest. Um, I carried those binders around with me, um, as we went to every doctor, the the first one that we went to in Indianapolis and we had to have three or four consultations with them before, um, they would even treat me because I had so much documentation because I kept all of my lab results. We kept everything. So if, if they gave me any kind of test of any sort, Um, we just filed it in the right date and moved forward and wrote down from there. And so that was really the only way I could get anybody to really pay attention to me to say that, yes, you really know what you're doing was to have those binders with me when I walked in.
2: Wow. Mm -hmm. It's a shame. It's almost like you have to prove that you're actually ill for them to get to listen to you. That is so ironic. versus (laughs) seeing the symptoms and trying to treat you. No, prove to me that you're sick first, Dr. Mays Ward. Really, (laughs) Mase Ward, prove to me that you're sick first. That's that's, that's so ironic.
1: And in their defense, and I I can say this today because I couldn't say this several years ago, but I could say this today. Lyme is um, the great imitator of all um, illnesses. So Mm. you can have... uh, 50 different symptoms and it could point to I mean at one point I even had a doctor tell me that I probably had Wegner's disease and I was going to die in the next you know 20 20 minutes you know it was wow. you know what I mean it was just one of those things where everything you know it points to well this is just fibromyalgia or this is just neuropathy or this is just that and it's not just this or that it's a combination mm-hmm. and so because it can mask itself and it moves around your body the the um spirochetes that 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 are part of this process in your in my system they move they don't stay in one spot Mm -hmm. and and so because of that um where i was having symptoms of xyz this particular day five days later it would have been someplace else doing something completely different because it was burrowing in different parts of my body And attacking so at, different things.
2: At, at one point, can you give us an, an idea of how many different medications, topical, oral, <laughs> otherwise that you're actually taking? It, what, was your, what was the highest number you can think of, prescription-wise, that were either either given to you or actually taking?
1: At one point, I was taking 98 different supplements a wow. day, <laughs> yeah, a day. All right. And that Sweet. was not, and that was three different <laughs> times a day. So three, three to five times a day, I was taking medications. Um, but yeah, I was. You said you said, said ninety eight, right? Ninety eight. Oh my goodness! And, and here's the kicker <laughs> to all of that, guys: they're not covered under medical insurance. Oh, oh no, nothing wow. is covered. So your your medical appointments are not covered your doctor's appointments are not covered your medicines are not covered unless they're like the doxycycline that is a prescription mm-hmm. that, that wasn't touching anything but the actual because i was on holistic medications nothing was covered under insurance it was all out of pocket so upwards of two thousand um to five thousand dollars a month depending on which time which either if i had appointments with the doctor or if i had appointments and needed medication so my, my bills were always $2,000 to $5,000 a month out of pocket.
0: Wow. That's why I'm surprised that doxycycline didn't work because it seemed like it's such a potent. I just, wow.
1: It, it affected the spirochetes for a small portion of of that process but it did not touch the co-infections because the spirochetes that that are in your body or the 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 disease I guess I don't know I don't know how to say it I I can just tell you what I've been told have like a protective coating around them Uh so unless you got them when they were moving from point A to point B without that protective coating around them then the the doxycycline or the medications never penetrated them because they're protected
0: okay i see i see so it was like you
1: it was like pulsing medication into your system you would go you know maybe two days on three days off three days on two days off to try to catch them when when they were doing their most activity, so you could kill them if it for lack of a better way to say it, that's that is not technical in any way, shape, or form.
2: <laughs> You're literally playing hide and seek with this, with this, with exactly. this illness
0: in your body.
1: That's mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. So, how how many ticks?
0: Uh, okay, the Lyme disease came from a tick biting you. Is that correct?
1: It did. Yes.
0: Just one tick, or was it more than one?
1: One that I am aware of. It only two. takes one.
0: And and how do these ticks jump on somebody? Is it like are they in the air and a tree? what's their mode of transportation
1: oh there's lots of different modes of transportation a lot of times they're in the tall grass they come off Mm -hmm. of trees um they could be on your pets when they come inside Mm -hmm. um they are transmitted by mice they are transmitted by deer flies or deer just in general. Lots of different ways that they're transmitted. And so if you're in in the wilderness or or just even outside in your own home, um, you'll make sure that you're checking when you come in. uh, Because they, right now, especially this year, they are really, really uh, bad this year. They are out in force.
0: Is there something you can do to, like, get rid of them, like, uh, to yard-proof your area? Sure.
1: Yeah, there's, um, there's a lot of different type of preventatives. If you're a hiker or you like to be outside, um, they ask that you um, uh, put permetha- permethanol on your clothing. It's a treatment for your clothing that helps repel them and it doesn't affect your clothing in any way. Um, making sure that you're always wearing uh, some kind of um, deet or some kind of insect repellent, especially around your ankles mm-hmm. um, and, and your... Uh, Uh, shoulder blades because they like to get like come in from your hair. Hmm. Um, So make sure that you're wearing deep. And uh, uh, I think I can't remember. There's a, I can't remember what it's called now, but there's a specific lotion that you can put on that helps if you're going to be outside quite a bit, it's sweat and waterproof uh, as well, but you can get any of that at the uh, uh, stores of any sort box stores, big box stores has them. Okay. Yeah, and then definitely sprain your yard. Uh, I spray my yard several times a year <laughs> with uh, just Yard Guard, uh, Cutter, that sort of thing. Anything that says that will help with ticks at least gives you some kind of prevention. And then with your pets, make sure that you mm-hmm. are asking your vet to check them and give them tick preventatives um, mm-hmm. because they do come in heavy on your ha- on your animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, what's it, what, is it like do you have flare-ups too i do what, what, what does that feel like is that like hot itis type thing or um i i itch <laughs> so the spot that i know i got bit in when i have a flare-up and it's getting ready to really uh, ramp up my i call it an itchy spot that just goes crazy um and then you can feel your body i have um Light and heat, uh, light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, mm. um, heat and cold sensitivity, and when those kind of things flare up, um, you know you're getting ready to to have a bad day. Um, mm. My eyes turn jaundicey. Uh, my color of my eyes turn jaundicey, and mm. so my husband can tell you two days before I'm getting ready to crash, um, just by watching, you know, my eyes and and the uh, way in which I hold a pencil or um you know, even pick up my telephone he he can tell just by the way my joints are reacting to to what's going on so it's just different and and I don't necessarily feel it coming on until I get um I get kind of snippy when I'm not feeling good mm-hmm. so <laughs> so when I hear my when I hear myself start getting kind of snarky then I'm like oh I better turn this back and go take some different medicine so <laughs> okay
2: yeah do you find that your your flare ups happen at no specific times of the day more often than others or different times of the year or is this like a, a totally random situation that causes that the trigger the uh, flare-up
1: mine specifically is random um i've been doing okay. really good for about oh six and a half months and just out of the blue about seven weeks ago uh started a flare-up and then it would lasted a couple three days and then it was done and then just uh, last week, I started flaring up again, and I have no idea why. So there's not been anything different going on in my life to, to make that happen. So,
2: so when that flare up does happen over that two to three day period, is it completely uh, debilitating where you're just like, hey, I got to go lay down. Please don't just, just bring me something. If I ask
1: for it, How, what do you typically do? During that time, right? Yeah, So it, it depends. Yeah. It depends on the flare up. So okay. Um, okay. there, yes, it is debilitating. I, I tend to push through it. Um, I don't let it, I won't let anything get me down. I refuse to let it win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I tend to go ahead and go to work, but people at work know because I'll close my door or, um, have my my office will be um, with no lights on that sort of thing so uh-huh. they know um, that there's something going on but um, I tend not to um, go to bed or anything like that because to me that's giving up and I re- okay I re- used to do that
0: that's hey okay. very feel, good if I'm clear on this when you okay when you get the disease or the the tick bites you does the tick die, or does the, the symptoms remain? I, I don't understand how how it goes on that long, or does it?
1: So the tick itself dies, but it puts something into your body, into your system, into your bloodstream that remains. Now, if you catch a tick bite, so like if you see a bull's rash, or you know that you've been outside and you feel like you've gotten a tick, and the doctor gives you doxycycline in that 28 day period, um, normally that will ward it off that that's enough to not make it go any further mm-hmm. in my in my instance it was so long that it had already the infection that the the tick put into my body had already permeated so much that mm-hmm. it started attacking um and my body was not strong enough because of the um the uh, disease that it put in me. My body was not strong enough to ward it off. My immune system was down by that time.
0: Okay. And you had mentioned that you get some uh, maybe short-term memory loss on this or (laughs) just just the words sometimes go away from you Is that
1: it's kind of both. Word. Yeah. It's, uh, as you, as you've heard today, sorry, there's been lots of times I've stumbled and, and tried to find the word, but, um, it's hard sometimes to put sentences together. It's hard to recall words. Um, there are things about my husband. So my husband and I got married in 2010 and there are things about our life together, um, that he will have avid and vivid memories about that I have no knowledge of whatsoever and that has been because i've been in a flare-up during those times that i've not been able to remember um Mm -hmm. so it's just been it's just been an interesting journey if you will um yeah and it makes him sad sometimes that i don't remember things then you know then of course then that makes me sad but um but it's not done intentionally that's for sure he he Mm -hmm. understands that but Mm -hmm. yeah so it's it's very frustrating (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, you had mentioned also that people look at you and they don't see your illness. Right. Um, how, how do you uh, do you explain to everybody, or is it just something you just kind of keep to yourself, and as a need to know basis, you let people know, or is, how does that work?
1: Well, ironically, I tend to keep this to myself. This is like the first time, well, other than my dissertation, because I actually wrote my dissertation on Lyme disease as well for a community project to, to uh, educate. But this is the first time I've really shared my story uh, okay. very publicly. Thank you. Because Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, what I have learned is that um, when I first found out that I was diagnosed with all of this, um, it could truly affect your job and your Mm -hmm. employment status and I did not want anybody to know for a long time because I was like you know I'm just in my prime I'm just not getting to the point where I know what I want to do with my life and how I want to um, help others and so I didn't want anything to affect my employability and now I'm to the point where you know I have proven to my my employer to everybody that i can work through this and um they are very supportive of me my my supervisor my direct chancellor knows um about the situation i finally broke down and told him just because i didn't want him to think that i was um being silly or you know (laughs) not answering a question appropriately when he thought i should be answering some other direction Mm -hmm. um because it does affect you at work, but I, I have come to the realization that keeping it to myself is not um, is not going to help anybody and it only makes me more frustrated. Um, so it's time to start sharing and start helping others um, in mm-hmm. this respect. So that's, I've kept it quiet for a long time and it's it's just time to, to open up.
2: Understood. You know, Dr. Basil, Basil Ward, I actually uh, uh, had a situation where I had a uh, some some brain fog injury type stuff from a medical condition that I had so I can I can relate to some of the things that you're saying um on the other, on the flip side too I think about the 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 need for now that you're letting individuals know about it do you find that you're having to ask for specific reasonable accommodations in your role as a vice chancellor so they understand the situation
1: um, I I don't. Um, okay. I Like I said, I went to my chancellor and I sat down and I talked with him so that he would know um, kind of what's going on. And he's just very understanding. And if I need something, I just have to tell him. But mm-hmm. for the most part, um, I'm the type of person that I will work through it um, and fight through it. Before I would ask for assistance, unless it's really bad to the point where, and, and I've always told everybody, I it gets to the point where I'm not effective um, in my job or I'm not effective in whatever it is I'm doing. I will mm-hmm. be the first one to say I need to tap out and somebody else in better suited needs to take over. So I'm very conscious and cognizant of that
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, as I'm working through the processes. Okay.
2: You mentioned that you also have, you're working with uh, some uh, some groups that are very well versed socially active in dealing with Lyme disease as well. Mm-hmm. Have you had a chance to talk to anyone who's had the, the condition longer than you've had it as well as, as part of their long-term strategy for treatments and what they what you observe from their, their prognosis?
1: I have, um, so Indiana Lyme Connect has a support mm-hmm. group for, uh, Lyme patients and, um, there are people that have been born with Lyme disease. Um, they say that that can't happen, but it does. Um, and so watching them go from, um, being able to walk and talk to, um, being in a wheelchair and not being able to be verbal, um, has been very heart wrenching. Um, watching people then that have had it, um, for years and years that have lost their jobs or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the being able to support one another through that group has been fabulous. Um, And it's, uh, it's just been a great network of people to talk through not only as a, as a survivor of it, or as a person that travels with it, but also Mm -hmm. support groups. So my husband and, and my parents, when we were first going through this, um, you know they were trying to help me navigate through food and how to change uh, your eating habits and things like that
0: okay sorry about that All right, we got a little snafu with that but you were telling us about foods
1: i believe yeah. So, um, just we had to look through how to eat more holistically as well, and mm-hmm. so the support group was able to um, provide recipes and, and and training, if you will, to myself and my parents and my husband to be able to help us um, navigate what what was going to be helpful because the thing that you don't want to have is inflammation in your body so we had mm-hmm. to really start thinking about um how to eat so that we were healthy healthier
2: <laughs> right so, so what type of diet did you find did you have to modify from are you are you avoiding things that are like more processed and so you're not eating more whole foods or what, what typically works for your diet now
1: yeah normally it's um I, I do a lot of vegetables i okay try to stay away from processed foods if i can mm-hmm. um trying to eat as much healthy um gluten-free um sugar-free um clean eating basically is is the best way okay to, to work through that process
0: yeah um i was actually watching television the other day and tom brady a, a football player uh-huh. you mm-hmm. guys may know him he said eighty percent of his diet is fruits and vegetables. I was I was surprised at that. Mm-hmm. He said that that's has great results for him because I was I've been thinking about eating healthier, and doing things better like that too. So I definitely can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, another thing I have so again on this, it don't takes three to thirty days till you realize most people till they realize they've probably been bitten. Would you say? That's,
1: that's correct. Quite, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So so and 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 this. First or main symptom would be that bullseye at the location site, right?
1: Usually, if you see one, yes. I mean, that's not always the case, but yes. Okay. Hmm. That's your right. outward sign, anyway.
0: Would, would you say your your family is more uh, conscious of this uh, Lyme disease now? Are they doing things like... like- being like real cautious now because of it
1: we do and i'm i get really worried because my my oldest son has a has a puppy dog and a little baby and i'm like don't <laughs> don't get them together you know so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so we're, we're a lot more cognizant of what goes on and we um when we go if we go hiking we make sure to wear light colored clothes long sleeve uh, tall socks so you can see things you can see the ticks quicker um mm, okay. it, when you're outside even if i'm mowing the yard i tend to come right in and take a shower and make sure i'm checking self-checking pretty quickly after mm. being outside or if i'm i'm at the lake this week and so um you know coming in off the lake even just being on the boat you know you come in and you check and make sure um don't let it sit for for the day you know mm-hmm. yeah you know, shower frequently mm-hmm.
0: So, so, have you had any other scares since then? Since you?
1: Yeah, I've been fortunate. I have not, but I'm I'm very cautious. I don't go outside much, and um, you know, if I do, like I said, I'm I'm right back in, checking things, and we yeah. have our little tick kit that we, you know, have around, and
2: <laughs> okay, <laughs> make sure we can mm-hmm. get the tick
1: off quick if we see it. So, mm-hmm. okay.
2: Uh- you know, on a side note, uh, Dr. Dr. Mays Ward, I need to know how do you feel about Tic Tac <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> We're wow. probing all avenues. Wow, Trey. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, on, on that note, let's move on to the uh, the final segment of this podcast. So we do a little thing, as everybody knows, it's called Getting to Know You. You gave us a lot of insight to you already. But we just want to ask some, some fun questions now before we wrap it up. Just get okay. your thoughts on them, okay? Okay. Uh, you want me to go first or you want to go? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Mort. <laughs> okay, I got to cover. <laughs> My first one is, uh, what was your first job that you ever had?
1: My very first job, I worked for um, Marsh Supermarkets. I was a high school student in the what was then called the DECA program. And I worked in their main offices working with payroll and um, benefits as a uh, junior in high school. Wow, I thought you were gonna say McDonald's or
0: something. She went straight to the money. Okay. No, I have I have
1: never worked. I have never worked in a fast food restaurant.
0: Wow! but you? And how many jobs have you had at one time?
1: Uh, three has been my max. Two part times and a full time. Mm, that's a lot. How
0: do you mm-hmm. keep that in? Okay. What's the last movie you watched, and what did you think about it?
1: Oh my heavens! Last movie I watched was probably... Oh heavens! I don't know. Um. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll say Pretty Woman because it was probably one of the last last two anyway. Uh (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, and I love that movie just because I like the I like the fact that uh, we all have potential and that resonates. (laughs) And just it's the best new part of the movie ever. So.
0: All right. If you went to a karaoke uh, (laughs) bar for one night, what song would you choose?
1: Lone Star amazed. Oh, you want to give us a sample of that? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> okay. All right. um, I sing aside. it for my husband. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no
0: problem. Uh, aside from necessities, what's one thing you would not like to go one day without having?
1: Um, besides necessities, definitely my children and my family.
2: Mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm.
0: all right go ahead trey
2: okay so name something that people like but you cannot stand
1: mm. people like that i cannot stand mm-hmm. wow um probably i would have to say country music Oh okay. yeah. okay. I agree okay. with
2: that. Sorry. Oh I'll help them put our disclaimer on behalf of the What's up with okay. the world. We are saying that country music is fine for those if
1: you like thank you.
0: Now back, back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what,
1: what type of music do you like? Um usually just about anything, but country music has always such sad um almost two real life things involved in it. And I like to have upbeat, happy music that yeah. um, mm-hmm. I listen, I listen to a lot of K love and, and things that keep me motivated and inspired really and truthfully, mm-hmm. but I like musicals and things of that sort.
2: Okay. Gotcha. Here's, here's another question for you. Um, something that kids have today that you wish you had growing up.
1: Hmm. Well, I wish I would have had a cell phone growing up. I know that's right. Because <laughs> I got into a lot of spots that I needed to be able to call for help.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, h- how do you feel about the, uh, the COVID shot?
1: Um, well, as a Lyme patient and as a co-infector, I cannot have that particular shot because and I can't even have a flu shot. So
2: um, mm.
1: because it is a booster, it will boost even the negative things that are in your system. Okay. Um, I think that if you can have it and it's something that you feel strongly about, you should get it. Um, but I'm also having some issues with some businesses right at the moment that are trying to say, you know, you can't do some things if you don't have it, and that's right. not that's mm-hmm. not okay. Not right. okay at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was going back and forth with it. I really didn't want to get it, but I did get it. Yeah, it's just it's just a thing because family, everybody's calling you, gotta do what you gotta do it. So I Interesting. That's a whole nother show. <laughs> yes it right? is. Yes, it is. Okay. Although no one can actually predict the future. What do you what would you like to see yourself in ten years from now?
1: In ten years, I would love to be retired and being able to travel but mostly write write my book about my journey and mm-hmm. be able to continue to research and write and help people. Okay.
2: You know, with that being said, if you are when you're retired in ten years, do you see yourself on the beach or in the mountains?
1: Uh, definitely
0: a beach. Okay. Yes. okay, so you like you like warm weather or cold weather? I take it.
1: Cold weather really hurts my system. Warm okay. weather is is beautiful.
0: Okay, I <laughs> Sunny agree. <and> totally.
1: Seventy-five.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Trey, if you don't have any more questions, I'm gonna do the final thoughts. Go right ahead, sir. All right. Well, I go ahead and do my final thoughts here. This is my Jerry Springer type moment. Okay. Someone once said that life is not always fair, but in the end, everyone who does not give up is what I consider a hero. My definition of a hero is an ordinary person who finds the strength to perse- persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. I wish for a world that views disabilities, mental or physical, not as a hindrance, but as a unique attribute that can be seen as powerful assets if given the right opportunities. Once again, we thank Dr. Amy Bates Ward for sharing her story with us today. So on behalf of Trey and myself on the What's Up with Ward podcast, we thank everyone for listening. Please hit that notification bell to hear our latest episodes. Until next time, peace. Peace. Thank you both.